Podcast. Oh, hello and welcome to Emma's podcast. And yes, it's a laughing week. <laughs> uh podcast since the beginning of this week and I'm just kind of stopped to laugh. I don't know what the end of the week's gonna be in uh, in order for me, but this is gonna be interesting. I think I'm just gonna be laughing from the get-go straight in bed from bed. So okay, enough of me. So in today's uh business breakthrough, I well I harassed somebody indirectly. I must say, well, I'm starting to be known for stalking people. So that's nothing over the rainbow when I want to talk to someone, especially a business owner, for to share their story um, in regard of how they got started, because one of the biggest things is how people get started. But in this one, there is a little twist. And the reason I wanted to talk to John is because the business he has, he did not start it. He got passed from one generation to the next. And that to me is intriguing. It's interesting. And we're going to kind of poke at John a little bit about it as well. Um, so his business is named uh, Tanner System and is the de-icer people. So we want to know more. I'm not going to say much more, but I'm going to say, first of all, hello to John. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. And I'm going to see his beautiful wife. I love Carrie. She's awesome. The woman, he's such a brainiac. She's awesome. So Carrie. Hi, Carrie. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. She just decided to join the fun today. Why not? I love it. It's like a power couple. I love it. This is a great thing. So there's no power involved. Oh my go- God. Don't even say that. We're going on here. No, there's no power at all. Yes, you're a power couple, then you want it or not. For a minute, just be one. <laughs> For the moment we are. Okay. All right. So John, how, because I read a little bit on the website, the history of the company. So your dad, or that was your dad or your granddad who started the company and co-founded the company, because it seems like a very interesting story. Can you share the story with us? Sure. Yeah. Well, actually it was my great granddad. So I am the fourth generation of the company, which I don't know what the statistics are, but I know they're staggering as to how many businesses make it just to the second generation, much less the third and then the fourth. So we are very unique in that regard that I am the fourth generation running this, this company. Um, but my great grandfather uh, back in 1928 was uh, a traveling salesman. He sold refrigerators for General Motors, car maker, but they made refrigerators back in the twenties. And as well. He, yeah. So <laughs> he was, he was selling refrigerators and, was traveling in northern Minnesota and discovered um, that there were um, buses, which were a new thing then. Uh, they were hauling miners from town, like Virginia, Hibbing, to the taconite mines in northern Minnesota. They would haul them from town out to the mines in these new, newly invented buses where they could get a dozen or more uh, guys on a, on a bus and get them out to the mine. So then on these buses with the, the air-operated uh, brake systems, the moisture in the air would freeze up and these brake systems would fail and not work properly. So my great-grandfather found out about this situation uh, with, the, uh, with the buses, and he uh, went back and started talking, went back to town, uh, St. Cloud, where we're from, and he started talking to a friend of his named Mr. Tanner, and they discovered that the, between the two of them, they could figure out a way to prevent 
the freezing of the moisture in the in the brake system so that those buses could operate in the cold weather. And so that's how they got started. They, they figured it out and solved the problem. And that bus company was called the Great Northern Bus Company. Uh, then he eventually evolved into and became Greyhound Bus Company. Uh, Tanner has nothing to do with Greyhound Bus now, but, <laughs> but there is a museum in northern Minnesota uh, with many of those things nice. in it related. And uh, I haven't been to it yet, but I would like to go and make sure they have Tanner in their museum. But I don't know if it's there or not. We'll find out one day. Yes, maybe that should be a trip. So your grandfather and his partner, Tanner, uh, begin their companies. So how did that, that idea to go to the bus and expand it happen with them? Did they went and talk to other people or how did they went? Because, you know, that's a little down over there, up north in Minnesota. Then you're like, okay, they got an idea, they're doing it. But how did they expand their business? Word right. Um, I think so. I, I don't know a lot of the details of that because it was my my great-grandfather, so I wasn't even alive when this, of course, was all happening. This was in the late 20s. That's um, a good sign. And so um, my father got involved with his father uh, back oh. in, in the early 1960s, <clears throat> and he worked with his father for many years uh, before my grandfather retired. And then, um, and then I worked with my father for, I don't even remember how many years, until 1996. I probably started in the early 80s. So until 1996, I worked with my father. Uh, and uh, the thing that really, when you talk about how did it get going? Well, uh, there were key companies in, in this country that worked with air-operated equipment. Yes. So, so that's, um, so my, grand, my grandfather. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm sorry. So my grandfather, um, uh, he was a very personable guy, and he started traveling around the country, meeting different companies that could that could sell the product to to other people. So over the years, we've developed a network of many hundreds of distributors, mm, and a distributor could be anyone from the local uh, equipment rental house yeah. to uh, a large industrial corporation that sell that goes out and calls on a sawmill, a steel mill, a yeah. coal mill. They go make sales calls and sell many different things, but one of which yes. would be a tanner product. So that's how it evolved. And that's what it is today is what we do is we sell to distributors, not to the end user. And then the distributors go out and, and make sales calls. But I, over the last 35 years myself, have been working with these distributors around the country as just like my grandfather and my father did. And I go and I, and I have sales meetings to teach them how to sell the product and what it, it's all about. And then in many cases, I also get to go into the field with them to their end users. So I've been in countless sawmills and coal mines and steel mills and big construction projects around the country. Um, so that's been really a, a great experience uh, to see how things are made and how industry, big industry works in this country has been really kind of fun. So when you grow up, is it always what you wanted to do or did you have other aspiration because one of the biggest things and i see uh you know well we see it on tv so uh when uh, you have to go from one generation to the next you know what you're supposed to be doing or you're, they're gonna pass it on the company to you but right. did you had um the, the choice to do it was it your idea say okay i'm gonna take it over sounds good or it's like oh good lordy i have to do this now but I, my dream was something different 
Right. No. Well, I mean, like any um, athletic young person, I thought I was going to play in the NFL or the NBA when I was, you know, 10 years old. But of course, those dreams end quickly when you don't <laughs> keep growing. And I didn't. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, when I was in early high school, I would go work at the business uh, on weekends. Okay. And uh, maybe on holidays when off school and I would and I would spend time working there. And so from a very early age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, I never even pursued another career. It was what I always wanted to do. And so I worked. I've been working here since I was about 15. Okay. Um, and so, full time I was. <clears throat> so you had a you had a passion for it when you started right. to work there. You felt inspired to do that. So looking at the evolution of the company, especially when you're looking at the product, because, you know, mash, uh, mashing equipment, machine evolve and change. So how is the evolution for your business? Because you need engineers, because, you know, technology change and evolve. So are the supply chain, the raw material. So how has been the evolution from, and I'm not going to go from your great grandpa, neither your grandpa, <laughs> but from your, your, you know, the time you started at 21 till now. Right. How right. was the evolution for you? Sure. Um, well, we're not a real big company. So it's not that we have on staff chemical engineers and mechanical engineers. Uh, we've, whenever we've needed such things, we hire them and say, and give them a project to do. And so uh, one example would be our, our liquid. And, and here's what we do. We make a liquid antifreeze, put it into a five-gallon pail or a 54-gallon barrel. And then we also sell a dispensing system. So it's a small steel tank that that liquid goes into. And then that steel tank is installed into the compressed air stream. And that, that tank drops the liquid, a drop, literally a droplet at a time, very slowly, so that all the air gets a little bit of this treatment, 200 parts per million, which is a very small amount, but enough to keep the moisture in there from freezing. So... The, the, the concept is really not much different from 50, 60, 70 years ago. The hardware is very slightly changed. Um, I did spend about 10 years doing some research on, uh, in Vermont on a mountaintop, uh, getting very cold and sick at times, <laughs> and trying to develop a new system and okay. uh, spent a lot of money and hired an engineer out in Boston, and that absolutely failed. But what came out of it was, uh, in-house, uh, I, had a, I had a gentleman that worked for me, not an engineer, but very, very smart, very mechanical. He and I together figured out how to make a system that was much better than the one we were trying to engineer. We over-engineered, actually, uh, out uh, in the ski hills, but uh, in, in the east coast. So we've ended up on the, on the, on the hardware side of things, creating our, what, a, a newer system with our big dispenser systems. Uh, and that has worked well over the last oh, 15 years. Uh, but the liquid side of it is, is very much unchanged, but we've changed it maybe two or three times over 50 years, the formulas. And one of the primary changes to the formula was really to get rid of um, any carcinogenic or any bad elements to it. When you discover yeah. that, that they shouldn't be there, you figure out how to get rid of them. So I would hire a, a chemist and we would do some homework and research and figure out how to make or change the formula so that it would still work, but yet not have those uh, negative uh, components to them. So uh, that's 
really the biggest evolution of the company of the last 20 years would really be the internet. Uh, we used to have, you know, when I was starting, we probably were in 25 different magazines. Well, mm -hmm. who, who advertises in magazines anymore? I mean, that's pretty unusual. Well, what we discovered early on with the internet was, oh, if we have a good website, people will find us and then we can direct them to our to one of our distributors in wherever they happen to be, and they can go there and buy the product. So we've spent our efforts um, of the last 10, 15 years really focusing on making sure we have a, a website that is functional for people to use and learn about us and then um, find help that we, through the website. We, we don't tell people where to buy it at our website on purpose. We want them to call us so that we can discuss with them what their needs are and, and then refer them to the best distributor in their area to help them out. Oh, wow. This is pretty cool. That's like, that's good customer service right here. Even though you're utilizing um, distributors, you at least don't point them out to a distributor and just have to figure it out. You're really taking care of your end user customers, actually, even though you said you don't deal with any customer, we, actually you do. We do. You do. We do quite, yeah. And we part do. of the reason for that is because the, the people that sell our product might have two, three, four thousand different things they sell. And when they sell something yeah. like mine that is seasonal, yeah. they often don't remember or just don't know it very well. And so it's better for us to talk to the customer and help them discover what they might need. And so we do a lot of phone work, technical phone work, where we, they tell us what they have and what kind of an operation they have, what kind of air they have. And we help them discern exactly what they need. And then we say, okay, go to XYZ distributor and order this part number. And then we save the distributor the headache of having to get in the middle of all that and call us, try to figure it out. We just. Well, yeah, think. because you, you want a good, do you want the um, customer experience to be that the, the top level, do what we call it, Correct. the white gloves. So may as well work with the customer up front then they can they know exactly where to go what to ask for which is saving time <laughs> to try to go through one try to go through a catalog talk to somebody who might not have like you said don't have the insight and may maybe send them the wrong parts which probably would upset the the the, the prospect the, the client so yes i like the, the approach because the approach is hands on but hands off as well in the same time it's like we are helping you to find what you want but you're gonna go and get it somewhere else, which is as to the AKA the distributor guys. It's not somewhere else, it's just a distributor. But that's wonderful. So I like the technique. So why did you decide to continue with the distributors and not involve yourself? Did you feel that it would have been more conversant or do you feel that it was easier the way it was set before you took over or you work in a company, if I said took over? Well, as far as why we are doing it the way we're doing it, part of that has yeah. to do with with my office manager next to me. She's oh. the one that would have to deal with the tax situation. If we sold product directly to the customer and just got rid of all of our distributors, it would be a big headache for the, for the bookkeeper, the office manager, <laughs> my wife. Yes. Um, we would have to deal with 50 different states yep. and 50 different tax situations. Yes. And yep. And that's a, that's problematic, obviously, in and of itself, because we are a small company that would anything that adds to the time needed to get things done makes a difference. So uh, that's part of it. 
And the other side is that our distributors are out there. They're the ones talking to the customers. They're the ones that have the relationship with the customers. And so it allows us to get in the door places where we, where we wouldn't normally. I can't just drive up to a big corporation and go, hey, I'm here. Let me in to talk to your staff. But if I walk up with my distributor who has a longstanding relationship, mm-hmm. I get to walk right in with them. And then the yeah. people will listen to me. So it's a, it, it, it has worked well for all these years. And I, I just haven't found or seen a better way to do it. I don't, I don't even think there is a better way to do it because otherwise you have to know your customer. To be honest with you, it's, uh, you have to be known. You have to get your brand out. You have people to have to heard about you. Uh, well, we said what? Between 7 to 12 points every time. So meaning you send email, you send brochure. So 7 to 12 times for people to remember you exist. Mm-hmm. So this way, because you go with already, like you said, if somebody is already in the inside, well, that makes it easier. That's like the rolling the red carpet right here. And you can focus on what you want to show them. So that is a great way to do business. Now, for other people who are listening and don't have distributors, don't put distributors if you don't have product, because that's not going to work. But you need to be smart about it on how you set it up. So obviously, uh, whomever set it up thought um, maybe did not realize how much I would expand, but was very smart to do that, thinking I cannot go and do it myself. I have people to do it for me because they're paying on commission at the end of the day. So if they're selling your product, they will get the commission on a monthly basis, which is how it, it works in distribution if you don't know people. Um, I have uh, the because the podcast reach people around the world, so that's why it's an education in the same time what we're talking. Because some people don't know the distribution world, a distributor. Not everybody will know what a distributor is or what they actually do. You know, when they have tons of catalog and you have people coming in, or they have to reach out to their client for sales or anything like that. So that's why that's good information. Now the question I have for you, because that product, like you said at the beginning of. Of, <laughs> of record uh, you mentioned to me we are very unique now your uniqueness sounds to me could be spread around the world very easily because of what you're doing because it's you know mining and stuff like that is around the world correct are you only in the u.s or do you have distributors outside of the u.s we we have distributors in canada because there's a lot of big industry in Northern Canada. And so that's been a good, uh, Canada has been good for us, but we do not have distribution in on other continents. Uh, we sell direct when we do that. So we don't get a lot of call for product uh, overseas, but if, for example, we'd have sold to many different countries, uh, oftentimes through domestic corporations. So a large, yeah. a large, well, yeah. Yeah. But in this country is in Chile and they yeah. call us and go, Hey, we need product. And we're in Chile. We're, we're fine. We'll ship it right mm-hmm. to you in Chile and you can, and you can just buy it direct from us. So well, that's how we work internationally. It's just because it's not a large uh, part of our business. We just sell direct to the people that are interested. So we've sold to the, to, to Europe and to South America. Um, um, even I think Kazakhstan, we sold a couple of things too, but that was through a, a, a U.S. company, I think it might have been. Yeah, Canada, yeah. possibly. But uh, so, yeah, the, the internationally, yeah, we're, we're not as active. My, my father tried many years ago. We went to Europe multiple times and tried to develop relationships to get distribution. But they just weren't as open to the to our product. And they just didn't they didn't seem to think that there was as much of a market there uh, to justify 
shipping it all the way over there and then them inventorying it and then going out and trying to sell it. It just never worked out. So the people that do need it, it's not a lot, but we just, again, sell it directly to them from here. Well, that's great. Uh, I, I found it fantastic that uh, since the 20s, that company has still grow and evolved, which I think is awesome because it's a great legacy. And talking about, uh, you know, looking at what your grandparents did to your grandfather, to your dad, and I'm sure you're going to pass it on to your children or one of them. Are you going to be chasing after one we'll, of them? Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But it's nice to see when the next generation taking over because it's a very unique business, but it's necessary. Even if people don't think it is, but it is necessary in order to have the equipment running. But it's uh, interesting how the evolution as well, because you talked about re-engineering few things, and but overall, the system has not changed. And that's it, amazing. Because, you know, some of companies, they have gone from one side to the other spectrum because their business has changed. But it looks like yours, you just made modification as you, quote unquote, went along when it was necessary. But it didn't look like that all of the uh, design and everything has totally changed at all. He has adjusted to where we are today, but he has not changed, which is amazing. It is. It's, very, again, very unique, just like we are, because the way we do what we do, we don't know of another company in the world that does it just the way we do it, with a dispensing system and then the liquid itself. Um, we, we, are, we are unaware of another company that does it like that. So, so we believe we're the only ones that do it like this. And, and so it's, it's, but it's, again, a very small market. It's not like we're selling gazillions of dollars or there'd be lots of big companies coming in trying to do the same thing. So we've just found this, this little niche and uh, it has worked for us for over 90 years. Yes, which is 90 years. So what are you going to be celebrating in 10 years? It will be the 100 years. What are you going to do for celebration? I don't know. Carrie? Yeah, we'll, see if, we'll, we'll see if Carrie and I are, are in wheelchairs or not. Well, if we have a dance party, we'll, we'll have to make sure we don't have wheelchairs. But Yeah, make it in the summertime and in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Especially well, here. Way, it's in the winter, we'll go south. And find All right, home. that sounds yeah. even better. So, yeah. Carrie, how did you get involved? Because I got the quote-unquote power couple, even if John said no. Um, so how did you get involved into this beautiful uh, company? Because you are married with, uh, to John, but at the beginning, did you ever thought you would be working for the company or did you thought that, no, I'm going to do my own thing? Um, you know, I didn't ever really think I'd be involved in the company. I do have a uh, degree in business management, so it does, you know, qualify in my genre of what I thought I'd do. Um, we got married and we had kids pretty quickly. So I spent a lot of years raising, staying home, raising the kids. And then, um, you know, we, uh, one other thing that was very unique about this business is they had long-term employees. So the office manager had, when did she? Yeah, the previous office manager before Kari was here for 47 years. Wow. And so she, he had started in different, a different uh, capacity. Started, yeah. And she, as other people retired, she took on more, and she was the office manager. And it, you know, when it got to be the point where she might start retiring, and my kids were getting older, I approached John and I said, "Hey, how about hiring me as the office, you know, to learn the business, yeah, and we take over as office manager at some point." And I don't know how you, 
it, it happened, but I don't know how he felt about it. In the beginning. <laughs> I don't really remember. I, I, I so don't... did you took the security out and just said to the poor lady that was before Karen, say, okay, it's time for you to go, lady. No. <laughs> Pick no. up your stuff, no. go. My wife is taking over. No, no. Okay. I, I came in and I started, you know, um, as a just processing orders, learning yeah. the business, answering the phone, um, just very clerical things and then I started she just would train me in on different aspects of managing the office um so I started paying bills and then she trained me in on how to do payroll and then we got a different system and so we all had to learn that computer system and then um then I she would teach me how to do the quarterly um for payroll and Mm -hmm. all the quarterly government filings you have to do and so eventually I just I you know, bit by bit, she would teach me. And then we kind of switched jobs as she went more part-time. I went more, more, more. She kind of took over the, you know, manage, you know, assisting me. And I took over the office management and then she retired. We were very upset. (laughs) (laughs) She was an amazing, well, she's still, I mean, she was an amazing employee. She was very loyal and very, very good. I think, at she what she was, did. I think she was 78, 78, 78 when she retired from here. Mm. And I knew somebody who was about that age, even a little older when she retired from a company I used to work way a long time ago. And you would have never believed she was that age to South right. Louis. And we had so much fun in the morning. We're singing, dancing, we're <laughs> laughing. It was hilarious. The copier wasn't working. She was freaking out because we had somebody <laughs> in the office who had a short fuse and a short temper. So she was freaking out. It was hilarious. So like between four and five o'clock in the morning, you would have stopped by the office and you would see two crazy persons singing, dancing and laughing and, <laughs> and working at the same time. They were laughing. It was hilarious. It was good. It started the day and nobody understood that we were happy the rest of the day because we were goofing in the morning first thing first. <laughs> that set the tone for the day. That was sure. fun. Yeah. So, but no, but that's, that's wonderful. So uh, since you took over, um, how, what was, what has been the biggest pain point for both of you? I'm going to ask you first, John, and then Carrie, what, what has been the biggest pain point for you, the biggest challenge for you to overcome when, uh, when you're working uh, with your business? Working with yeah, in your business. So what is your challenge? Oh, I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say that. I thought you were they to say that. I thought you were going to Oh, I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, we we enjoy it. We we get to go have lunch often, and we it's it's a it's a thrill. We really enjoy it. So that's that's, awesome. that's great. Um, but back to your original question of uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> obstacle of challenge. Uh, the biggest challenge of yeah. running the business. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, that's a really good question, and I'm wasn't prepared for that um i like to throw a question like well, that because because people think that you know when they're listening to business owners they're like oh wow they have a great company there is no challenges yes there is challenges every single day if it's not every single day there is at least once a month come on 
There is always a small, medium or big, doesn't matter which size of the challenge, but there is always a challenge. And a lot yeah. of people don't understand that. So I like when I uh, talk about the business breakthrough is we talked about what you're doing, but also the challenges because people can sure. relate. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, I can think of two primary challenges. One would sure. be because we're small and have yeah. a small workforce, mm -hmm. when one person is out sick, or has a, you know, we yep. have we have one with a, a child who has special needs and sometimes that person needs to be gone for a few days or yep. even a few weeks. And we, when you, when you, when there's four people that work at your business and one's out, that's 25% of your workforce. Yes. If that person is out, they need to go take care of their family. That's first. So we send yep. them on, go be with their family and we have to deal with that. So that can be a challenge because there are some things that each person in the building does that others aren't always, we try to we try to cross over and be aware of everybody's duties, yeah. but not everything is that way. So there's always a, the occasional challenge of calling that person when they're on vacation or out yeah. with a sick kid and saying, Hey, we don't know how to do this. <laughs> and then, and, but we, but it's always worked out to where the, we've been able to get a hold of the person and figure that out. So that's been, it is a challenge because yes. if, if, for example, two of your staff are out, you <laughs> fifty percent of your workforce is gone, mm -hmm. and you have a busy day, that that can be overwhelming. Yes. And fortunately, yes. we've been very fortunate that that's been very very rare and haven't had that happen very often. Oh, um, good. But, but the other challenge I would say is because again we're small, mm -hmm. our vendors, the people we buy our chemicals from or buy our materials from. They are often very, very large, multi-billion dollar corporations. Yeah. And so because we might have a unique need uh, going on right now with one of our big vendors, we have some unique things that we need done or that need to be changed that they're not particularly responsive to because we're just not a hundred million dollar account. Yeah. So they don't Big enough, yeah. Take yeah. care of us. We're a very small account. And so their their desire to jump over hoop through hoops or over the hurdle to help us is not quite there always. So that can be a challenge uh, when we need something done with our vendors. Uh, here again, for the most part, it's been quite good. We've been, we've had very, very long standing relationships with many companies, 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. I think that's what helps us uh, when they, they will help us. I think more so because we've been around so long as opposed to, Hey, they do many, many dollars in business, which we don't. Yeah with them relative to their big customers. We're just- Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, when you're talking, yes, I totally understand that. So that's very interesting, but I like to touch point on that. What do you do when your mom has had Alzheimer's for more than a decade and you suddenly become her primary caregiver? When I went looking for answers, I ended up creating a podcast. Welcome to Fading Memories. I'm your host, Jen. This podcast offers advice, wisdom, and hope from caregivers who have lived the experience and survived to tell the tale. Think of us as your caregiver best friend. We discuss all things caregiving, self-care, aging well, brain health, and have fun along the way. You might not be able to call us at 2 a.m. to vent, but we're here for you anyway. Tune in weekly for inspiration to help you manage your caregiving journey. Find Fading Memories wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. Now, the question I have for you is, because you're unique, 
Uh, are you limited on your um, suppliers? I'm sorry, say that again. Are, are, because are we... you're unique in your niche. Are you limited on the suppliers you've got? That's a, that's a really good question. For some, yes. For for um, certain things, we there are there's like one company we can work with, and oh, that's wow. and that is a challenge. It's a very big company and a good company, yeah. but because but still. It would take a lot of effort on my part to go find a separate vendor. And it's not worth doing that unless this other one just fails me completely. And they, they have never done that. Uh, but most of my vendors, I can, I can go find three, four, five, six different companies that do the same thing and get me what I need. That part of it, most of it's fine. It's just this one vendor that we deal with that is unique in the way they create some products for us. Okay, so, okay, well, that's what I wanted to know because the same when we're talking about uh, suppliers, vendors, uh, we want to make sure when you got a business, you got the primary vendor and you got a backup just in case something happened. That's why I'm, I'm talking yep. about this so people understand that if you want to start your business, your primary vendor is fine, but the honeymoon sometimes goes well for a very long time <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't go well at all. So, you know, when they increase price or they run out of raw material, which is the biggest issue is the raw material at the end of the day, then you need to be able to have a backup. Otherwise you cannot deliver to your client and you're losing uh, your clients. So that's why, that's one of the reasons I asked the question. So, right. yeah, so Carrie, it's your turn now. Yeah. What has been the biggest challenges for you? Or it's not biggest, but what have been the challenges and how did you overcome them as well? Um, well, since I've been working with the business, I think the biggest challenge is the changes in shipping. We are constantly having um, changes to way we have to ship things. Um, so uh, when we when the business when I came in, we still would send out um, you know an order to a distributor that would stock the items. In, in several areas of the country, they would stock the items yep. and then they would send them out from their location. Well, because of some of our materials are hazardous, they yes. can't ship it out unless they're a has, hazmat shipper. Yes. So that changed a lot. So now we direct ship all the, a lot to their customers instead of to their location. Yep. So that's made it where we're shipping a lot more daily and smaller packages. Yep. Um, one of the other things that's changed in, you know, is people want their stuff now, you know, the Amazon. Yes. So they all call us with an order and want us to get it out the day that day. And usually we can do that, but it isn't always the case. And sometimes there's a little lag in how that, that happens. And, um, you know, most, most people are very impressed in how quickly we can get things out the door. Um, but that's, that's certainly a change. One of the other things is, and everybody's dealing with this now is the supply chain. Some of the things yes. we've had on order for over a year that we aren't able to get in and we wow. don't know if we will get them in. Fortunately, we haven't run out of anything, but it has come close at certain points and then things come in just in time. But that's very different for us to deal with. Um, having Not having the product on the shelf, because we try to stock up and buy everything so we can get through a season. And now that's really changed our are um you know majority. you're right on this one because a lot of company um 
don't you know, minimize, put to the bare minimum in and out for the supply chain. So bare minimum on the shelf because of the inventory and they didn't want it to have, you know, if it's in the inventory and sitting in a bag, you maybe have the product right there, the raw material, but you're losing money. Yep. So it's like money sitting in a bag for nothing, quote unquote. And a lot of companies have started to lean that many years ago. But with what has been happening for the past two years, this has changed and has been challenging for a lot of people. That's why we run out of the raw material because everybody went crazy and just ordered everything ahead, which also then it became uh, you know priority for everyone. But that's true. Uh, with uh, that's what those are great answers actually. Uh, this is very interesting to see how we went from we got a ton in the back to we barely have what we need for the day or for the next orders because we know the supply chain is going to come and deliver to well there is scarcity in uh, in the distribution and the raw material itself so now let's go and stack up again so it's very very interesting do you have a good forecast or do you have when because you're doing uh, such a unique you're such in a unique niche do you have a good forecast that can predict what will be happening within the next quarters or how do we you go about because again you're very unique <laughs> sure. so right right and takari touched on it one thing that makes us unique is that we were like amazon long before amazon where we got probably we, we still do to this day and probably for the last 20 plus years we get every order out probably 95 to 98 percent of our orders go out the day the order comes in that's just unheard of mm-hmm. outside that's of Amazon. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but we've been doing that for years, but then, um, um, we, what we do is because again, we're small, we, when our season is when it's cold. So we sell most of our product between late September and late February, early March. So in the months outside of that, we spend our time building inventory and preparing and, and, and getting ready, filling the shelves so that we're ready to just ship. We don't want to build, we don't want to spend time building. We don't have time and the resources to be building during the winter. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice that we can get things built. But the downside to that is we have to we have to invest in inventory. Yeah. So we have a very high dollar inventory right now because our shelves are full. Now that we're getting into September, we're ready for our season. And we anticipate having everything in our warehouse will get us through our winter. Uh, but the downside of that is we, we have to, you know, have the, the money. And most people, most small businesses don't have the money. But we've been doing this for so many years that we've got 90 years of history to know how, how much, to do it, yeah. how to do it and how much we'll be selling. And, and yeah. if over time you, you just learn that you have to have enough cash to buy things in the in the summertime so that you can have that inventory ready when you need it so at least uh, it's maybe i don't know if it's less stressful because you're building your inventory and you're selling half of the season so half of the season you're building it and half of the um season you're selling it meaning half of the year if you prefer uh, say season i mean i just like what what season so half of the year you're building, half of the year you're selling. So the biggest challenge for you has been finding the raw material when it's time to build. Or do you order, I'm going to ask you this one, do you still order even though you're not building anymore, but you're selling all of your inventory, do you still bring raw material for uh, this upcoming season? How do you do that, if I may ask? 
uh, do we still bring in inventory? Meaning, okay, so come come September, do you still order your raw material to be coming at the same time that you're emptying it with your full equi- uh, um, product come out of the door? Or do you just put a stop and just say, okay, we got everything we need for the next season? How do right. you do that? How do you balance all of this? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And again, that goes back to the fact that we've done this for so many years. We Most of what we have in the warehouse will get us through our winter but there there are a few uh raw chemical items and a few miscellaneous things that we might run out of um Mm -hmm. so we'll yes we will buy some things during the season and sometimes we'll order some of our um items so that they show up in september and a little bit in october and a little bit in november because then we can uh, pace out and when we pay for it, mm-hmm. but we know that we'll have enough to get to September and to October and to November when we get that next batch of product. So we okay. do a little bit of that as well. But for the most part, uh, uh, the liquid that we that we put together is in the container, in the box, in the on the shelf, and ready to go for the winter because that's the most labor intensive thing is filling the the liquids and putting it into each of the different container sizes. Uh, for the winter, we 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 know because of the history, we know what we're going to sell for the most part, and then we just fill mo- a bit more so that we've always got extra when we end the season. And uh, if we don't, great, we have a, the problem of having to fill more to sell more, but that means we've sold more than we anticipated. We're happy to do it, which is good. At the end of the right. day, it's like that's great if I, you predicted. And do you increase your forecast every year, or do you keep it about the same? Once you, what you got on the shelf, your inventory, do you always do like a 10% more or do you just keep it about the same? No, we, we forecast based on what is, what's going on in the market. I mean, here again, okay. because fall, we know the market quite well. For example, two years ago, two winters ago, there was a pipeline being run through Northern Minnesota and they needed our product, a, a one of our products way more than usual. So we knew that and we, made more for that situation. But then when that pipeline gets done being built, uh, a significant amount of sales of that particular product goes away. And so we know that again, and we can just adjust. So we adjust what we make. It's not just an increase every year. It's, It's knowing what the market is doing because we're so closely tied to it because we talk to our customers, our end users, I should say. We we talk to them all the time. And so we just kind of know what's going on in the market. So that helps us to, to forecast and, and, uh, and do things uh, well, hopefully. Obviously you do. <laughs> it's been working. As long as you don't have your end uh, users screaming at you because they don't have what they need. That's when you're doing good in my book. <laughs> right. right. So what's happening next for you? Because you're going to continue to do that for, do you have a timestamp you're going to continue or are you going to do it forever until <laughs> ever and ever? So did you have any plan to just say, well, one day I would like to retire and travel or do something else? Right. Well, I don't have a plan. Most people my age probably have a succession plan. I don't. Um, and you mentioned children. We have five children. Um, none of them are currently working here. None of them are currently, you know, pursuing being here, but some of them are still quite young and, and really don't even know what they want to do. So uh, it's not out of the question that uh, or even one of the older kids could find an interest in it down the road, but at this point, that's not there. So I don't have a plan with kids anyway. Um, 
I probably get 10 or 15 companies per year that contact me asking me if I want to sell. Oh, Just, wow. Yeah, there's there's people out there that that have an, uh, investment groups and they say, hey, go find small yep. companies that look like yep. they're doing OK and we'll buy them. So yep. that's that's ongoing. I could always do that someday if, if no kids were interested. Mm -hmm. I could just say, you know what? Let's just sell and ride off into the sunset. But, but I know, Carrie, but, isn't it? That sounds good. <laughs> Johnny's like, no, I'm all business right now. It's not happening. Oh, wait, I, I'm, I, I'm in my late fifties. I don't have a great need to be retired mm -hmm. because, yeah. in part, we in the summertime we get a lot more free time to. Um, enjoy Minnesota in the summer. Well, that's and, nice, Minnesota in the summer, but in the winter, I'm sorry to say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's nice, yeah, but minus 35 degrees is not that nice. I don't know. It's <laughs> not that nice. You know what, <laughs> it, it, what makes it nice is your sales increase and you make more money when the colder it is. So yeah. it's just an incentive to enjoy the cold because we get to yep. make money doing it. It, but, it's a celebration uh, for you, but for me, it is, it is not a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> and neither are my dogs are enjoying it at all. <laughs> people think when I go down to the south, I think people think that we live in igloos in Minnesota, as cold as well, it gets. You know, when you start to talk about how cold it is, you start to freak out and say, you don't go outside. Yes, we don't. No, you don't. Yes, we do. We, do. we don't run in between the flakes, but yes, we do. <laughs> but there is days it's less enjoyable when the wind starts to come, you know, it's like, oh, good Lord, it's just hurting your bones, your cheekbones. Right. It's not very pleasant. It's like, oh, I think we ended up to the minus right now. Oh, God. So, yeah. but that's that awesome. Makes, that makes trips to Arizona and to Florida in the winter that much more enjoyable. I totally agree with you. I can volunteer. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm in a trunk on this one. I'm going straight <laughs> in the trunk between the suitcase. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, but that's wonderful. So uh, have you ever thought to expand and create something different or um, have you explored the possibilities this, what you've got already would maybe have something else you could create or have a spin off from the product you're making? Have right. you ever that's, thought about that? That's a great question. And we never don't think about that. We, okay. For 20, ever since I've been here, we've tried to think of something that we could sell that would be just as unique. Um, we have yet to find it. In fact, my dad at one point started making machines that would clean tractor air filters because it was just oh. somebody came to him and said, hey, we could do this. And uh, it was actually a separate entity. It wasn't part of Tanner Systems, but it, it operated partially out of our, uh, out of our building. Uh, that business didn't, didn't do well, but um, yes, we have tried, we've tried to think of things, but you start talking about what we do and what we ship with chemicals and things. And most chemical sales, oil sales, synthetics are a very, very big industry. And we mm -hmm. would be competing with very, very big corporations. And, and the profit margins are so small that uh, it wouldn't be worth it. So we've not yet found, we're, we're still looking. We have yet to find the right thing that we could sell that would either complement what we do or, or, and if it was completely different, that would be okay too, because we do have the slow time in the summer where we could do other things. We just haven't found yeah. the right. 
I can picture you like a crazy scientist in a warehouse starting to build things or people are just shaking their head and said, oh, he's done it again. John is in the back, back of the, on the grass over there in a parking lot doing something else. That's yeah. not looking good. But yes, well, I, can, any, I can see that actually. We'll take any and all ideas for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, if anybody is listening to me, uh, listening to us right here, right now, has any idea, you can always connect with John because he seems like he looks like a bad scientist, like somebody <laughs> who could do damage no. in a good way. So I said in a good way. Not I, don't, bad I don't way. have the right hair to be, you know, scuffy, mad scientist hair, but. Uh, well, that's okay. That's well, all right. Yeah. It, we give you a white coat and you, we're ready yeah, to go. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That'll work. So, but that's wonderful. So you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, which is awesome. Sorry, Carrie. Uh, <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> okay. Well, she's well. Yeah, you don't have a choice I think here. Be able to retire. I don't know. We still have kids in, in high school, yeah. much less also in college. So we're still paying okay. for things. And retirement's not on the, ta- on the table at the moment. Okay, so if you still have kids in a high school, I will start them to bring them as a, 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 at work. I will bring them in the office and starting to make them uh, work, too. Well, we have. They've, they've worked here, yeah. Yeah, the youngest one who is in high school, she did actually spend some time here this summer. Nice. She, she learns a little bit about what happens here, so that's good. And and how was her, uh, her experience? Did she say she liked it or... Was yeah. it an eye-opening? Yeah, I think so. I think she enjoyed it. Uh, she learned things, you know, as you would. Yeah. Um, and Carrie's, I think- like, <laughs> Carrie's like, is thinking about something else. I'm looking at Carrie's eyes. It's like, huh. Oh, well, her talk. <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> no, um, but that's great. Well, you know, she's a senior in high school and her dreams are, yeah, she she's not on. She's not going to want to work. I mean, right now she does not want to work at Tanner Systems. No, would, her aspiration is somewhere I mean, else. Because her she's, her yeah, dream okay. is to manage a professional, you know, be in work with a professional football team. Her oh, nice. her dream is to be a you know work in real estate. So that's where she's. Okay. So um, that's, that's where she's at. Our our second youngest son has expressed to me at one point some maybe some interest in working in the business um and he's going to school for business administration business management so possibly nice. see what happens he's you know see he's going to follow mama's steps so business management here we go mm-hmm. yeah the signs are here i'm just letting you know people the signs well, are you. here <laughs> yeah yeah it's following your footstep obviously carrie mm-hmm. it does because you got yep. to be business management. Yep. So well, he's, he's doing it. Do. Well, I so. think it would be good because if you're looking at the um, business standpoint in things, well, you already had an e-commerce actually because you're doing e-commerce quote unquote with your distributors. Yes. So, but because of the way, this is so interesting because I think whomever put this in place was at the head of his time because <laughs> a lot of you, no, but seriously, think about it. One, the technology, like you said, your pain point, actually distribute one of your pain points, cannot create something else. Because yours, the, the, what you've got as a product is unique, but is that good, then you cannot even do a spin-off of it because it's that good. You know what I mean? And it's not to be bad. It's a very good thing. Right. So look at the perspective of this. You were already doing e-commerce slash Amazon um, 
shipping daily. It's like you already have stuff in place before uh, the COVID, before all of this, that for you made it run smoothly compared to right. other companies who have been struggling very, very difficult for them to get the concept of e-commerce, of selling more online, of mm -hmm. being out there into the, uh, um, not the, I'm gonna call it the not so real world, because this is not the real world, it's the technology world, not the real world, because it's yeah. not here. So changing the way and the concept of how they do their business, somehow you guys kind of slide through because you already had it in place without realizing you had it in place, but it just continue its uh, your journey, which is amazing. So. Think about it, people. If you decide to create your own business or you want to improve your own business, then listen to the, 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 that podcast and re-listen to that episode, actually, because this was thought ahead. It wasn't something that happened like now. We all have to adapt or most of us have to adapt to where we are right now. But your company already was set for it, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was set for it uh, as your company grows since the 20s to where we are today, which is amazing. So there were no big change on what and how you do, did your process of by the time the, you know you received the order to the time you ship it, it was already set, which is amazing. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if you realize that, John, but <clears throat> I well. said, you guys were at the head of the game and as small or not companies, you are at the head of the game, which is amazing. Well, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, you know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you're the squirrel and uh, you're not blind. Compared to the poor squirrel, who's <laughs> probably underweight and starving to death. No, I, I'm uh, well. I'm not only because they have another sense, uh, the sense of smell, very well developed. No, but that's amazing. It's amazing how that company has evolved and set for what's happening right now. To me, it's, it's unheard of. I have not heard any companies who have aware, quote unquote, prepared without realizing they were prepared to where we experience, what we're experiencing uh, business-wise. You know, I, I don't know. That's, I'm, I will say that we'll take this to reflect for a minute. Say, thank grandpa, thank grandpa, yeah. because that was very well said. And for what you did as well, since you were the age of 21. So, when you started when you were 21, did you move, you were what, working in the back at, in the warehouse? So what did you do? Did you went through all of the jobs? So what did you do? Yes, I've done everything there is to do with the exception of all the bookkeeping. Uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not smart enough for that, but I've, I've swept the floor. Well, I still sweep floors. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing that doesn't, you know, that I, that I don't or won't do. But when I started, yeah, I was... Uh, the processes were a little different. So I spent a lot of time putting labels on, on containers and building. I got to literally build the machines. I got taught how to do all that. So that was good because I then came into the business with a much better understanding of how everything worked. Uh, my dad didn't, he had a different avenue to that. So he was, my dad is more of a um, people person, more of a salesperson. And so he was out doing a great job of, of finding distributors. Yep doing yep. the sales network where I started with more of the mechanics of it and learning the real, literally how everything worked. So that by the time I was 21, I was out um, going to sawmills in Oregon and meeting with, with the, the end users and helping them understand what, what would work best in their situation. 
and, and but I could talk the talk because I had built the equipment and knew how it worked. So that helped me a lot when I started was learning how things worked. I'm not an engineer, but I, I like to know how things work. And that has served me well in, in this business. Well, you made a very good point earlier that you and one of your uh, employees figured out how to, to, to solve something without the help of an engineer. So you don't need to be an engineer to be able to create. I'm sorry to say that. <laughs> well, I can true. say that. They can hold brief as much as they want. I always said, if somebody has more knowledge than a diploma, I will take the person who has the most knowledge and more veteran what they do than somebody who has an MBA come out of school who has no idea or somebody who's an engineer who doesn't understand all of the intricate uh, um, uh, part of the product and try to make something out of it without understanding all of the facets of it, which to me in leadership wise, I also want to highlight this uh, because a lot of people who own companies, some come you know, from uh, like you, um, from generation to generation, but you started from the bottom up. And to yep. me, it's critical to start from the bottom up and even roll up your sleeve and clean up the floor, wash the floor, it doesn't matter. That to me is true leadership because a leader should not be sitting in his little cutesy office and do nothing in bark orders. He should be part of the employees. That's probably one of the reasons, like you said, uh, your employees are here for life. Basically, when you come in, you don't quit. You just stay because it's a family-owned company and you already feel like a family. You're treated as a part of a member of a family. You're being respected, but you've been treated at the same level than everybody else is. It doesn't make a difference who you are in those positions. And to me, it's, uh, it's a key as well as leadership, which I found it beautiful. Now, I have one more question who has nothing to do, actually. And I just came up at the end. I'm like, I forgot to ask a question. How have both of you met? <laughs> well, I have to ask the question. Sorry. Uh, well, right. <laughs> uh, we met uh, the summer after I graduated from college, right? Or was it the summer? Anyway, we met through so. mutual friends. Um, I worked at a restaurant in Duluth, and uh, one of my best friends working there, her boyfriend was also a bartender, and he would come up and visit. And so we just met. We yep, met. We, we were friends for a year or so before we even started dating. More than that. More than that. Yeah, we were friends quite a while before. I wanted to get to know her first. I yeah. like that. That's a gentleman right there, people. Take a cue of head boys and girls. Take the well, time to know the person. Then you know what you're getting into. You, you understand the person better. Yeah. Oh, and my so God, yes. Because it doesn't take 15 minutes. It can take years to know that person. I totally agree with you. <laughs> you don't have to wash. Oh, All it right. works well because here we are, thirty-one plus years later, still yeah. married with five kids, and we still love each other. We still, we still love like each other. We still love each other. <laughs> we still sleep in the same bed. <laughs> I love it, and we still love each other. So that's mean Valentine's Day. It's not like the War of the Roses at all. <laughs> one is not hanging from the chandelier, cursing, and the other one not at all. Everything is good. No, I think it's wonderful. Well, I want to thank you both of you for um, for taking the time to speak with me. I know, John, you tried to elude me, but you know, I'm persistent with Carrie. I just had to comment Carrie because, by the way, guys, if you want to listen to a very good conversation, I had a conversation, uh, what, a couple months ago with Carrie, and we talked about um, commissioners and uh, how election works as well, because he was an eye-opener, because a lot of people don't know who has the budget and won the budget for the county uh, at all. 
But if you want to listen to, uh, to that interview, you will know a little bit more uh, about Carrie, very extremely bright uh, person, love uh, to listen to her talking and so down to her. So I am very humbled and very thankful that both of you, especially you, John, who tried to avoid me, uh, to come <laughs> on my show today. As I said, to me, it was an opportunity of a lifetime because I wanted that perspective of a fourth, third, fourth, second generation business owners, because I have the, the most 99.99% are the people who are first generation uh, business owners. So right. I wanted to have that perspective because I think people need to understand a little bit how it works and how you come in. So thank you so much for having done that great conversation with me today and take the time out of your busy day to be with me. But thank you so much. Any word of advice, John, you would say, or any last word you would say, same with Carrie. Well, you, you, you said it already, servant leadership. If you want to succeed in business, work alongside the people that work for you, not over them, and then you will succeed. That was pretty powerful, actually, more than better than mine, <laughs> which is awesome, which is what it's supposed to be, actually. <laughs> By the way, I'm not complaining. I'm very happy because that was pretty powerful. No, but that was a pretty powerful statement you just said. And I think people lost uh, that concept when they have a title. Like I said, the day you passed away, your title stay behind. You don't go anywhere. That title stay there with everything else. You just have to be learn the basics and stay grounded and be close to the person, the people around you to see what's going on and understand. Because sometimes heads in the clouds doesn't help at all the company. How about but, you, Kari? Any- I, I think you have to be flexible. I mean, we have, we we've had to change the way we've done things and you just have to move on with what's going on. You have to be flexible and, and maybe the way we're doing business now won't be the same way we do it a year from now. There's things that we had to change and and work around and learn new things. So that's be flexible. Thank you. Yes. Well, you know, we're a story in motion, so we cannot stop progress. We cannot stop the evolution, but we have to adapt. And a lot of people, even business owners, don't want to change. I have worked with business owners that are still in the 60s and the 40s in their head. And I'm like, we're not doing this anymore, people. So there is an evolution we need to do. Uh, and we have to evolve with the demand, the supply and demand as well, uh, and the clientele and how we do business. So I love what you see, guys. I love what you said, guys. You never know. I might be asking you for a round two. I might be asking you for a round two. I think two, we're right? done. No, you're not, Carrie. We're Nobody will be done. I think it's a good thing to spend an hour with me. People around the world are going to be listening to you. And they're going to get great insights. Those are great stories to share. You have a story to share. And I love to, to have you on that podcast. First of all, it's the second time, Carrie. So you're not saying I'm not done. You're not done yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> you you're in trouble. And you never know. I agree with you. And now Carrie is in trouble. But that's all right. Because <laughs> I'm going to make her come for a third time around because she just said we're done. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's funny. I love talking with you, though. You know that. Yeah, oh, yes, a, I do, too. But thank you. Place. Yes, thank you so much for, for today. And God bless you, too, guys. And I will talk to you later. Bye.